our attention to the reading of the Word of God, and uh, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to ask you to move that a little, uh, little back, a little further back. Amen. Beginning in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5, we read, if you have it, say amen. amen. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not, leave, do not use liberty as an opportunity for your flesh to sin. But through love, serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But here's the verse. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed, be destroyed by one another. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that you're here. We ask that you would do a mighty work by your spirit, oh God. Would you awaken us in areas that we become docile? Would you cause us, oh God, to be sensitive in areas where we become callous? Oh God, I pray that you would awaken your church and cause us to realize that we have a work to do. And as we are filled by the spirit of God, because it is by your strength, not by our might or power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord, that we will begin to make an impact in a world that desperately needs Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. On last week, uh, our sermon was entitled, I'm Just Having a Moment. And uh, I'm going to continue that until the Lord tells me to do something different. We, we didn't actually finish. Uh, there's more to that sermon, but I'm not going to continue that. If you are interested in the outline, I'd be happy to make it available for you. There are at least three other uh, uh, um, applicational statements that are made that I'd be happy to uh, share with you if you want that. But today we're moving on. Say we're moving on. Now, someone has said, if you are looking for a perfect church, don't join it. If you do, it will cease to be perfect. For good reason. You aren't perfect, nor is there a perfect church. Despite the imperfections in the church, Jesus said, when he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Christ said, I am going to build my church, my ecclesia, upon the type of faith that Peter exercised when he said, thou art the Christ, the son of living. I'm going to build the church on that kind of faith. And the gates of hell shall not overcome it, shall not prevail against my church. Imperfect, but Christ said, I, I, I am going to build my church. It has been said of the church that Jesus promised that he would build for it was yet future in Matthew 16. says that we are the only army that kills its Wounded. 
I want to suggest to you today as we continue with the thought of I'm only having a moment. I'm only having a moment that sometimes the moment that we are having emotionally, the damage that has caused us to be stuck on start is the result of what I call and what has been called church hurt. Church hurt. Church hurt occurs when pain, physical or emotional, results from the actions or decisions associated with someone in the church. You are hurt emotionally or physically by the actions or choices that people make in the church that you are a part of. When you experience church hurt, it can cause you to have a moment that lasts you to your grave. Until you breathe your last, I know people who are still traumatized by what they experience at the hands of people they, go, they went to church with. Now, what makes church hurt so devastating is it's an inside job. It's an inside job. It's, it's, it's the jokers that you're in the foxhole with. The ones that are supposed to be shooting outside the foxhole. But you got to be looking with eyes behind your head to make sure. <laughs> like someone said, uh, I know I put a knife in your back, but please give it back to me when you leave so I can use it again. Uh, King David talked about what we call church hurt in Psalm 55, verses 12 through 14. He said, if an enemy were insulting me. I could endure it. If a foe was rising against me, I could hide it. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, and we walked about among, we walked about among the worshipers. He said, if it had been enemies, if it had been somebody that I knew that was a hater, I could have handled that. But we read from the same Bible. We prayed at the altar crying together. And here I find when I'm running for my life, it's those very people that I confided in are a part of those who desire to destroy me. What Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through uh, 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 15, I'm just going to read verse, uh, uh, verse uh, uh, the, the last verse, verse 15 says, if you bite and devour each other, if you turn on each other in the church, watch out that you don't end up putting the devil out of, out of work because you're destroying yourself. Many churches, the devil has taken uh, an extended sabbatical. He don't have to do nothing because the church has turned on itself. And so if we are going to build to last, 
We learned last week that, that, that David's salvation, when he looked at the prosperity of the wicked, he, he, it just was beyond. He said, I can't understand this. He said, I almost slipped. I almost stumbled. I, I was about to leave the faith. I, my, my, my theology did not match my reality. He said, but when I returned to church, when I went back to the temple and worshiped, I saw what I was looking at differently. So the first part of building to last as we move is that we need to return to in-person church worship if we can. That's what David did. As you're looking around and seeing all of the craziness that's going on in this world, it, right is wrong and wrong is right, and it makes no sense. Where is God? When is the Calvary coming? Your answer is not going to be found in isolation. The Lord would have you to do what David did. He said, when I went into the house of God, then my eyes were able to see. My eyes were able to see. And so today, I want to talk about dealing with deep wounds that have been inflicted upon some. And most of us, I believe that our church is a place where folk come because they've been hurt. They've been hurt. And so we found ourselves in this place. I'll, I'll add myself in that list. We've been traumatized by the church. I actually said I might, I might change this. If I didn't have this church, I don't know where I would go. But there are, there are some that I know now that, you know, I could go to a, a, some churches where there's an actual um, uh, uh, what I would call a demonstration of the love of Christ that is clearly on display. And I want to look at four, four things, and we'll go as far as the Holy Spirit allows. And the first, uh, uh, I'm going to ask four questions. One is, why do we need the priceless church that has so many problems? Why do we need the priceless church with so many imperfections. And when you get an opportunity, we're not going to go through all of these parables in Matthew chapter 13. When you get an opportunity, there are eight separate parables. A parable is a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. After chapter 12 in the book of Matthews, Jesus makes a paradigm shift in terms of how he ministers publicly to the masses. It is in Matthews 12 where the religious leaders attribute the work of Jesus to Satan. They say he is the prince of demons. Christ is Beelzebub. And then Christ says the house that is divided against itself cannot stand and that any sin that is committed except for the sin of attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan is forgivable. So Christ makes this, this shift coming into chapter 13. He, he stops teaching plainly, and he begins to use the methodology of a parable. And he shares eight of them in chapter 13. And we're only going to, I want to consider Briefly, we're not going to unpack all that's involved with, with the, the four that I want to talk about, but they are relevant to 
the topic that we're covering today, it's an inside job, and it's causing me to have a moment. It's causing me to have a moment. In verses 24 through 30, when you get an opportunity in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about the tear and the wheat, the wheat and the tear. And tear is another word for weeds, weeds. And he talks about the kingdom of God is like a field that has wheat and tear. The, the, the weeds are useless. The wheat represents genuinely born again in relationship with Christ through faith believers. The problem is that in this field where there's wheat and tear, you cannot distinguish the, the two because they look so similar. And so you got wheat and tear in, in every church. You have people who profess to be saved with their mouths, but they don't practice. There's no fruit. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. And so he talks about the, 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 the priceless of the church is that there's wheat. The problem is that alongside the wheat, there's weeds. And so if you get distracted by the weeds, you might feel some kind of way. But Jesus said there is coming a day when the good will not suffer with the bad. When the Lord, here's the difficult, you and I do not have the supernatural discerning ability to determine who the wheat and the tear is all the time. So we, we can't say, oh, that, that looks like wheat to me. Yeah, I see how she dressed, but she ain't number weed, uh, weed, weed. That's a weed, like, no, no, no. We can't do that. But one day, Jesus said, I am going to separate the wheat from the weeds. But until that happens, the weeds need to continue to be a part of what the kingdom of God's assignment is for them. They're, 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 the, the church is, part, is priceless, but there's some weeds in the church. Somebody say amen. amen. And then he gives the, 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 uh, the parable in verse 44 of the hidden treasure that is in the field. He said there's, there's a cert, certain merchant who was searching for hidden treasure, and he found it on a field. Now, the interesting thing is there's nothing significant about the field. And sometimes if you live in Philly like I do, and you go to Fairmont Park, you see more trash than, 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 than grass. You may, you, may, you may find somebody's whole house unloaded in, 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 a, in a part of Fairmont Park. There's so many things that distract from the beauty of the park. So he says, this, this merchant went searching for, for hidden treasure in the field. Field represents us. There's nothing significant about us. We are sinners saved by grace. We are wretched and undone. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. Amen. There's none righteous. No, oh, we were part of this field. And, and even once we get saved, we're still sinners saved by grace. But in the field, the merchant who is Jesus, he finds a hidden treasure. There's treasure in the church, 
There's treasure in the church because the church was purchased by the merchant who is Jesus, and he took everything that he had, the best that he had. What did he give? He gave his life to buy back those who were in the market of sin. He purchased the church with the best he had. He gave his body. And so the field has all kinds of distractions, but it's a hidden treasure. That's why when I come to church, I'm not trying to sit in the back. I want, I, I want to sit in the front. The, and sometimes I don't because if people know that you're a preacher, the first thing they're going to do, hey, I ain't trying to come nowhere. I came to church to receive the word. I ain't trying to pray. I ain't trying to be seen. Just let me sit down and receive. Sometimes you sit in, you, can, you will see a whole lot of things. That can in the field, but but on the field, the merchant Jesus has purchased hidden treasure called the church. And then he talks about, gives a third parable about the pearl of great price. Church is described as this beautiful pearl, and scripture says that the kingdom is like a man who was searching for pearls, plural. But he chose one pearl. <laughs> there are many members, but there's only one body, the church, the pearl. And the pearl is of great price. But there are a lot of other pearls. There are a lot of other things that can distract and distort. But I hear the writer to the Hebrews saying, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so the, the pearl is priceless. But there are problems where the pearl was found. But here's the one, here's the one that gets me, the fourth, the, the fourth parable. And when you get an opportunity, that's in Matthew uh, chapter 13, where he talks about the great dragnet or the net, the fishing net. And uh, in, this, in this parable, he talks about a fisherman, Jesus, who goes out to capture fish catch fish, and he throws the dragnet, he throws his net into the water to capture the fish. And when he does, he says, some of all kinds get in the net. <laughs> and so he, he doesn't just, oh, I don't want that fish. I don't. So the, the, the net represents the extension of Christ. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. He extended the net that all who would say yes to Jesus can get in the net, but those who are in the net are some of many, many kinds. So we got all kinds of folk up in the church. Here's what Paul says, speaking of the sum of many, uh, sum of many kinds. He says in verses 9 through 11 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, Do you not know that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And here it is. He says, such was some of you. <laughs> when we got captured in the net, this group that Paul describes, he didn't, he didn't describe, this is not an exhausted list. He might have missed some of us. But when we got saved, the Bible, he, the Lord didn't save us because we were running to him. We were running away from him. He wasn't coming after us because he needed us. We needed him. 
And so when, he, when, we, when the Bible says no man can come unto Jesus except the Spirit draws him, the net captures us. And you might not even come to church to be saved that day, but you got caught by the Holy Spirit. And the next thing you know, you're a part of this, per- this priceless church, and you are a part of the imperfections. Because you're some of, any, many, some of many kind. And so you don't know who you're sitting next to. You, you don't know everybody's testimony. You can't leave your purse in, hey, we in the church. I, I, I know I brought a thousand. Who brought a thousand dollars? Just raise your hand. And <laughs> There's some people that are still being delivered. But the point is why we need the church in spite of its imperfections. There's weed in the church. There's hidden treasure in the church. The church is the is, is, is pearl of great price. The church includes some of many kind. And the reason I need the church is because the Lord loved me so much that he looked beyond my fault and he saw my needs and he captured me by his love and he allowed me to be a part of his supernatural family called the church. Aren't you glad about it? Now, what are some causes of church hurt? Why are you looking at me like that, some of y'all? Here's, let me just share some causes. Now, I'll say begin for, 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 from the outset, I want to share what church hurt is not. Accountability by the church and your brothers and sisters and spiritual leaders, that ain't church hurt. The Bible says that we should confess our sins one to another. We should admonish one another. We should speak the truth in love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So if somebody holds you accountable, if I, if I got toilet tissue hanging from the back of my pad, you ain't embarrassing me by, by I don't want to offend him. I don't want to get in his business. Wait a minute. Get in my business. Get in my business. Get in my business. So when you hold, people don't want to be held accountable. And you go to that church, they all in your business. I think one of the distinctions of the black church in, in the other church the other huge church, they ain't talking about personal stuff. They ain't digging down. You're going to get your little 15-minute sermon, you out. They ain't going to be saying the man you're living with right now ain't your husband. They'll get close, but then oh, they'll pull that thing back. So accountability is not church hurt. Having disagreements with somebody that, that you don't see, I, I, that ain't church hurt. Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your, your wrath. Disagree, we, being unified doesn't mean we think the same way. The issue is not that we disagree, but were you disagreeable in your disagreement? Because the goal would be to be reconciled. Man, they all in the church hurt at that church, man. They, you, you, you raise your hand and they tell me that I can't be a Muslim and a Christian at the same time. How could they tell me that? Because that's true. And I, I, I want to just encourage our young people. 
We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when we pray, we don't pray ecumenically in his or her name, in the creator's name, in the man upstairs, or the higher power. People don't have any problem with any other name. You just don't, don't mention Jesus. The reason why people don't want the name of Jesus, because that is the only name that causes the devil to flee. So when we pray, we say, in Jesus' name, when a Muslim gets up in school or, or wherever they're public, they're going to pray in the name of Allah, and nobody's going to look at them sideways. But if you mention Jesus, whose side are you on anyway? Being set down to grow up spiritually is not church hurt. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Multiplies kisses. Some of the hardest lessons that I've ever learned is when I've been rebuked. Ah, ah, nobody. I remember when I was told that I had a problem, and I looked at those guys and said, yeah, right. You're jealous. I didn't say that. I was too spiritual to say that. How dare you not know how humble I am. And I wasn't allowed to teach for a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't care about my degree. They didn't care about my gift. I didn't know I would ever be able to teach again. But, man, did God use that rebuke to change how I feel. If, you ain't, if this ain't true, why is it bothering you? Why are you so upset? Somebody loved me enough to tell me what nobody else had, had enough ner nerve to say. Being set down to grow up spiritually is not church hurt. Putting an unrepentant Christian out of the church is not church hurt. It's biblical. We ain't, churches aren't doing it. The Bible was talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a man who was having incestuous relationships with his stepmom. He's having sex with his stepmom. Everybody knew it. He was a member of the church. That's my church. <laughs> New Direction Bible Fellowship. I, somebody, I, it's like you walk in the room here and people cussing and how much they won at the lottery and well, they're getting ready to go to Dover Downs and they say, hey, pastor, God bless you. Praise Jesus. <laughs> like, you don't go to our church. This man, the church knew about the sin, but they were comfortable that they were able to compromise. And the Paul, Paul says, what you are doing is not good. Don't you understand a little leaven, a little sin in the church that you know about, but you do nothing about will spread and destroy the whole church. It's like having cancer. Yeah, it can't say that bad. He said, if I were with you by the authority of Jesus Christ, if that person doesn't repent, put them out of the church. Put them out of the church for the destruction of their body. 
and the salvation of their soul. The good news is that this brother repented in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And so when the church, through its leadership, takes a stand, we work with you, we talk with you, we've shown you the scriptures, we pray with you, we pushed our plates away for you, and you still have decided, I see what the Bible says, and I know what you told us, and we, or me, I, I just don't see it like that. I don't see nothing wrong with it. Well, you say you're a Christian, how does what you, so there are times when you have to ask people to leave. And I got many stories about that, how the leadership turned when you challenge people and say you can't come back until you repent. That's not church hurt. That's church love. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, what what are some legitimate causes of church hurt? I'm glad you asked. First, one of the main reasons people get severely wounded by the church is when the church shows favoritism. Uh, The apostle James says, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold rings and clothes, and a poor man is filthy uh, wearing old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there and sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not shown partiality, favoritism, discrimination among yourselves, which is sin? It's a sin to mistreat people uh, because of favoritism. And here's what favoritism is. It is the idea of looking to see who a person is before deciding how you're going to treat them. What did they drive up in church with? Where do they live at? How much do they make? I wonder what they got in their bank account. Where have they been? It's also the idea of judging by appearance and on the basis of giving special favor and respect. It pertains to judging purely on on a superficial level without considering a person's true ability or character. It's judging people on, on, on their externals appearance. You can sit up front. The rest of y'all jokers, I don't know where you're going to sit. We had a young brother Eight years old, we moved to a new church call, and uh, he immediately was attracted to my children. Uh, Kanita led him to Christ, little guy, about five foot three, led him to Christ, and he just became a part of our family. Everywhere we went, we took him. He stayed, his, he and his sister, they basically, and this guy, you couldn't miss him because he had a mohawk. I mean, it was like, and I, I, we came to understand the reason he had a mohawk is both of his young parents had rare forms of cancer, and they were dying, and he couldn't afford a haircut. So he'd come, come to our house every single day. I'd go out and throw the baseball with him, and man, he was just one of us, just one of us, and uh, he would go to church. We had church three times. We'd go on Wednesday night. He'd come Sunday morning. He'd come to Sunday school, this eight-year-old kid come our Sunday evening service, and he was just so faithful. I mean, you turn around, I bump right into him. That's how close he had become. One Sunday, he was sitting in front of the church like Eric, and, but he didn't have his Bible open. One Sunday night, 7 o'clock service, and he was like maybe nodding off, not fully paying attention. And one of the leaders in the church walked from the back of the church to the front of the church, literally grabbed this young man 
by his shoulders and drug him. You can see his heels from the front of the church to the back of the church, slammed him into the chair, sit up and put the Bible in his hand, and then the service was supposed to go on. That young man never came back to our church again. His sister never came to our house again. I rebuked the leaders, and they fought me. What do you mean? We, we read our Bible in this church. We comb our hair in this church. We do. I, I, I would rather have somebody sitting under the word, trying to grow in Christ, and seeing the love of Jesus on display, then they'll care about if you're sitting up and you're reading this version or that version. And so this young man never left, never came back to church. Later in life, this five foot three guy grows up to be six foot eight. Professional basketball player. He left the church never to return again, but he never left Jesus. And he still remains con in contact with Kanita to this very day. But the reason he was taught, he, that, that same man who grabbed that boy, thank God it wasn't one of my children. Because the pastor would have been fighting that day. And guess what? The past, I, I love children. I fought. I didn't care. You can, I don't care what you guys think you're going to do. If you ever do that again. And I had no idea that he wasn't going to come back. This, this, this same guy had children of his own. If someone had done that to his son or daughter, he would have never allowed it. Why? Favoritism. This kid is not one of us. He's not on our level. He's not good enough. That's church hurt. Let me give you another example of church hurt. Clicks in the church. Somebody say amen. Now, a clique is a narrow, exclusive circle of, of a group, group of people, especially held together by common interests, user purpose. So every clique, there are going to always be people in the church that you feel more comfortable with, that you hang out with, that you know, that you've had experiences with. Ain't nothing wrong with that. It becomes wrong when you exclude people who are not like you when you do it intentionally or even unintentionally. Oh, is he coming? Or is he preaching? I ain't going to, I mean, he ain't one of us. He's not part of our group. So Paul says, let there not be any schisms, any splits, any, 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 any divisions in the church, but be one in Christ, have the same purpose. So clicks in the church when people are, when people are excluded, favoritism you mistreat. Clicks when you exclude because people are not like you. The church is like a football team. We don't all play the same position. But the unity is we have the same goal. We want to win every game. Is that what the, the, the football team does? We have the same desire as Christians. We want to, Paul says, he says, I press towards the mark of the higher calling, which is in Christ Jesus. But I don't like your red. And you may not like my green, but that's cool. We're on the same team. Can you imagine if the quarterbacks said, I ain't talking to no running back. I only talk to the quarterbacks on the team. If you ain't no quarterback, you just might as well get out the huddle. Guess what? You, you ain't going to be able to run a play. 
We need all of, we need everybody who is gifted. We need everybody that the Lord has equipped to win the, 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 the race that has been set before us to fight the good fight. Every player is needed, but we're different, but our goal is the same. And I'm not going to keep you out of the huddle because you're not, you don't, you're not, you're not on my, you're not on my position. Uh, 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 whatever, you're not on my level. Somebody say amen. Let me go a little further. Unkind, destructive words. That is unjustified criticism, people lying on you, gossiping. Have you ever walked in and church folk talking about you? <laughs> and then they, hey, brother, hey, sister, God is good. The Bible talks about that there's power in the life and death is in the power of the tongue. So you can destroy people by what you say. I decided my senior prom, I'm going to take one of the pastor's relatives to the prom. And I told the pastor's sons that I wanted to take their cousin to the prom. They're my friends. Next week, I get an open letter. The envelope had been opened. They all had read it. And they gave it to me. It was from the girl I was going to ask out. Talked about how big my ears were. My oversized lips. And I was darker than the blackest diamond. I mean, she just, just, she went in, boy. Oh, God. So I'm reading this thing, and they just, they, they just belly. I mean, they just, they, I mean, they're having a belly laugh. I just closed it, and I left, intending never to return to church again. Now, what's deep about it, the girl that I was going to ask, she didn't write that letter. The pastor's daughter wrote it. And the sons gave me a letter from their sister and said it was the cousin. I see this cousin 40 years later. I said, you know, Glenda, I said, I know you know name. You know who wrote that letter. And she said, I sure do. After 40 years, I still remember that. That cut me. That was, that, that was devastating. Thank God for a godly deacon and his wife. They sat me down and they talked to me. And I went right back in that church and survived it. You can say something to somebody who you don't know where they are in their walk with God. Why you got dying your hair? You know God don't like tattoos. And, and, and why are your earrings so long? You need to loosen that skirt. You know, when you could fit skirts like that, you were wearing them all the time. But now things have changed. In these last and evil days. <laughs> now you're wearing quilts. <laughs> you in love with Jesus? No, you ain't in love with Jesus. <laughs> you, don't, don't, you don't have it going on no more. <laughs> We're not going to get through this. Unresolved conflict where you don't forgive somebody who hurts you, or you don't even tell them. You know, I, had, I told you about the lady, she, she's a single parent. 
I preached there one day, and I said, single parents are the most likely to be living in poverty, et cetera, and da-da-da-da, and I graduate. Three years later, I preached. She said, I've been mad at you for three years. I said, you have? She said, when you talked about how poor all things, I never said all. People will hear the wrong thing when they're hurting. We got podcasts. You can go back and listen to the sermon. You, did you hear what he said? I said, you've been angry with me for three years? Have you been taking communion? Have you, how is your relationship with God been? I'm sorry to tell you, I didn't miss a night. I didn't say that, but you all mad and unforgiving. And the person could kill you like, you, you, you said, I'm going to drink this poison and watch them die. What? I ain't going to die because you drinking poison. When you don't forgive, it's like taking poison and expecting the other person who hurt you to die. They ain't dying, you dying. Legalism, man-made rules. Jesus said, well, did Isaiah prophesy to you? This people, these leaders, draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are from me, far from me. These people... Worship me in vain, teaching as a doctrine the commandments of men. I had a young lady actually say to, a, to, to, to the daughter of a woman, she said, you know your mother ain't going to heaven. Lady's in the casket. I said, well, why isn't she going to heaven? God ain't accepting nobody with lipstick on. <laughs> Where is she, where's that in the Bible? Man-made rules. You got to go to church seven days a week. You can only worship God on the Sabbath. You got to come to my church. And if you ain't come to my church, you can't be, no, come of many kind. Legalism will destroy you. False doctrine will destroy you. I've seen people dying and folk trying to get them out of bed. Jeez, devil, you can't have him. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of death. In the name of you shall live and not die. The person's already dead. What, what this poor man down? He done lost 89 pounds. He just, you picking him up out of his bed. Diaper hand. What are you doing? Heaven is real, but you acting like if he died, the devil did it? Last I know, the Bible says that he who once was dead is now alive, and he has the keys to, the, to death and the grave. The, Jesus ain't never gave the devil no keys to death. Some people have been sexually and physically abused by pastors. One of the major denominations has billions of dollars for pastors who have been pedophiles that would just pass from one church to the next church, never corrected. And, and, and the damage on a child, when someone that they trust that's supposed to protect them uh, violates them sexually, it, 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 it can destroy you. That's church hurt. Public humiliation, uh, and I, I got a scripture for all this, but I remember there was a time if a girl got pregnant, she would be told to come before the church and stand and confess her sin. The, 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 the last I know, the only person who had immaculate conception is named is Mary. Is Mary? <laughs> that girl didn't do that sin by herself. 
And yet the church would bring the girl, the woman, up in front of everybody, and she had to raise her hand and confess. Everybody that I ever saw have to do that, they never came back. Church hurt. Church hurt. Somebody calling you out, embarrassing you, putting you on, on blast just to be doing it to see how you will, how you will squirm. Make you not want to come back. Somebody say amen. Being blackballed by the pastor, you're on the blacklist. Nobody can speak to you. You'll never preach again. You'll never be a part of leadership again. You got the mark of Cain. Your friends all of a sudden ain't your friends no more. Wait a minute. What happened? Church splits. Oh, my goodness. Over power over the pastor falling, over doctrinal change, like in the Methodist and Presbyterian church, they now are agreeing to same-sex marriages. And so thousands have left. And but when you leave, you're leaving friends. You're leaving families. You're questioning God. How could they switch from what, you, what they say to believe the Bible, and now all of a sudden the Bible is irrelevant? That's church hurt. That's church hurt. Church splits are, are damning. You see people you used to go to church with all the time. You see them in the supermarket. You go to wave, they walk right by you. What, what did I do? You go, I, I reached out to shake somebody's hand. I used to go to church with They wouldn't even shake my hand. Had somebody told the pastor, he said, yeah, I'm going to break fellowship with him because he talked so terrible about I never said a word. But guess what? The pastor sucked. He, he took it hook, line, and sinker. I told him not to break fellowship. What kind of control are you? This, don't you understand that this dude was just brown nosing? <laughs> let me quickly, uh, somebody, let me, let, me, let me share a couple things. How do you know when you still, when you haven't healed from church hurt? Anybody want to know that before we go? I only heard a couple, y'all, but I... What do you want me to do? Uh, okay, the Lord say. <laughs> Let me share these with you. You experience the same pain when you think or talk about what happened to you. You just sit and talk to people, and they say, tell me about your old church. When people join our church, we need to ask them, where did you come from? And usually they're going to tell you how they're going to behave. Because we bring the smoke from the room, the room where the smoke, we were exposed to smoke. That's why you want to make it right with where you're leaving to get a fresh start. So they start talking about what happened at their former church. And he's like, oh, you see smoke coming out there. I said, you okay? You all right? Do you need something to drink? You want to sit down? Oh, no, I'm fine. Ain't nothing wrong with me. What do you mean, am I all right? Does it look like I'm not all right? If there was something wrong with me, I sure would tell you. And I said, well, when did this happen? <laughs> well, 15 years ago, when I was 15 years ago, you haven't healed. You haven't healed. Here's another e evidence that you're not healed. You never admitted that you were hurt. Oh, no, I'm cool. <laughs> no, they did me dirty. They did me wrong. Took did this and that and took mistreat my kids. Uh, put them in. You know, no, I'm cool. Never bothered me. I'm one. 
You never admit this, that thing hurt. I'm going to tell you, when I read that letter in front of those guys laughing at me, as an impressionable teenager, how you think? I looked in the mirror, and I'm like, it's what she's saying true. <laughs> I ain't never had no trouble getting a girl until I joined the church. <laughs> and, and the reason I started having trouble is I started actually believing the Bible and stopped talking trash. When I stopped talking trash, the girls didn't want nothing to do with me. Start talking under their clothes. Oh, they love me. Have you been hurt? I don't care how long ago it was, if you never admit it, that that hurt you. You served that church faithfully. You wouldn't be out. I mean, you did things that nobody even knew, but you did it out of love. And here, they would treat me like this. Admit that you've been hurt. You've left the church without God's permission. There are a lot of people. I don't know how many people. I don't go to church. I'm not affiliated, but I still have a strong walk with God. No, you don't. That's not biblical. And so when you leave, you have no spiritual covering. God's hedge of protection is, re, is, 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 is recoil. It's, sometimes you need to leave a church, but you don't go until God gives you permission. Because when you go, you're taking the same problem with you. And guess what the problem is? It's you. got to get healed. Oh, ain't nothing about like being with a healthy person. And that doesn't mean that they're perfect. They can be transparent. They can tell you what God, the God of all come. I will tell you what happened to me. Like Joseph said, Joseph said, I am the one you sold into slavery. I just don't look like what I've been through. And, and, and he didn't go through, let me tell you all the things. No, no, no. He said, I'm the guy. But I understand that what you meant for evil, God, God meant it for good. Let me run on. Let me run on. You visit churches, but you won't join to avoid commitment that requires getting close to people. You ain't going to get hurt again. So you can come, you, you date the church. <laughs> come here, let me get this done. Yeah, you guys having a function today? Okay, I'll, I'll be here. Okay. <laughs> but you're not joining. Because you get too close to people, they'll stab you in the back again. You're still hurting. You refuse to use your spiritual gifts to serve in the ministry God called you to serve in. Somebody hurt you in that ministry. That God, that's the thing. It, it, Paul says, complete, fulfill your ministry. That's God's assignment for you. You don't get to quit. You don't go, well, they talk bad about me at work. I think I'm going to resign. No, you ain't. Because you get paid for working. If you don't get paid, you can't take care of you. So how are you just going to walk away from something God called you to do? That's why I say, don't, don't sign up for it unless you know God said you should do it. Because you're going to get mad at me, and then you're going to quit. I, I will let you down. Amen. I ain't trying. You haven't forgiven the people that hurt you. 
have you actually said the person that did that to you, said that to you, mistreated you, have you said, Lord, I forgive them? Oh, I did tell the Lord that, but I don't want to ever see him no more. Sometimes you need to call that person or go and sit with them and say, look, I just need to tell you that when this happened, it, it, it hurt me. I was having a moment for five years. I've not been able to move on. This is post-traumatic spiritual syndrome. I want you to understand something. I forgive you. And I need you to accept my apology. I accept my forgiveness. You haven't done that, so you're still hurting. Uh, you refuse to trust God to protect you from getting hurt again. And we build up all kinds of excuses to protect ourselves. We ain't never going to let nobody get that close. You have not fully surrendered your pain to God. I'm almost done. You became a church critic. There are blogs that talk about why I left the church, how much better my life is now that I left the church. I got a pay raise. I travel. I get to sleep on Sunday. There are people and join me. You'll see that your life is better. Why, did, why would somebody do that that was a part? They got divorced, and the church blamed them. And so they're mad at the church, and so now the devil is using them to pull people away from the church. And the issue is not the church. You're still hurting. You legitimately were wounded. That's fine. But don't it, Jesus said, this is my church. You have a hard time receiving certain teachings from the Bible. My best friend, I'm going to close with this. My best friend, anytime the pastor preached about marriage, if he ever announced that series, he wasn't coming. If the series lasted six weeks, he wasn't in church for six weeks. He had gone to a church prior to leaving, angry, that basically said, if there's a problem in your marriage, it's the man. It's the man's fault. So he comes to the church, and guess what the pastor says? Husbands love your church as Christ loves the church, and if you ain't willing to die for her. So once he heard that, he said, you know what? When he's done with this series, I'm not going to come. You know why he did that? He was still hurting. He never healed. When you, there's certain teachings in the Bible, as soon as you start hearing, you start, you start, you, you, your mind just goes somewhere else. You start preparing a sermon in your mind. You start re rehearsing uh, what you're cooking for dinner and who you're going to be with later. You just can't hear it. There's parts of the word of God that you just cannot hear right. The devil has shut you down. He has you in bondage, and you don't even know. And the danger is when you don't know that you're hurting and you're bleeding all over the place, your blood will spill on others. I might as well end this this way. Stand up with me, y'all. Now, how do you heal from church hurt? Somebody say, how do you heal? How do you heal? Admit that you're hurting. Say, admit that you're hurting. Accept that conflict is normal and necessary for spiritual growth. Scripture actually says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18 and 9. I'm not going to read that. Conflict is normal and necessary. Iron sharpens iron. In order for iron, to, it's going to be friction. There are going to be people you come and sit down in your seat and your seat is taken. I paid for that brick. How they cover my brick? We get ready to go to this new church. I don't see my name nowhere. 
I think you'll survive. Conflict is normal and necessary. Avoid saying and doing things that hurt people. I always say that sometimes you kids can't, you need to say something. Kid getting ready to run out and get hit by a car, stop them. But you don't have to correct how somebody dresses. That ain't, you ain't no dress police. That ain't your job. Now, if you have a relationship with somebody, and you want to, the wife said, go to them in private. That's what you do. And you lovingly say, look, you, need, my, you might want to consider this. So avoid saying or doing things that hurt people. Allow people that love you and have spiritual authority over you to correct you. I'm afraid of people that can't be corrected. If you are incorrect, you can't grow. You cannot grow unless you are, somebody can say, you're wrong. Here's the last thing. When you just can't get off the mat, when that thing hurts so bad, it was the pastor, it was his children, it was whatever. My mother made me go. I had a guy, he said, I'm an atheist. I said, well, start talking to him. Why? He said, we had to go to church seven days a week. We were in church four hours every day. He didn't just believe in God. He just believed in church. But he, he, did, he just couldn't hear or see God because of how we. So here's, here's it. When you are stuck, ask for professional help if you can't break free. Ain't nothing wrong with getting therapy. Go get some therapy. Because if you're hurting people, do what? Say that again. Hurting people. A lot of what we do, we see the drugs. Oh, he's just a cracker. No, that man or her woman is hurting. And we, 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 the drug of our choice may not be crack or cocaine. It could be pornography. It could be, uh, you just fill in the blank. We're just trying to feel better. Doesn't make it right. John chapter 5, there's a man. 38 years, the Bible says, he was an invalid. He was sick. He was lying at the pool of Bethesda. And one day, the Bible says, Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda, and he saw the man, and he knew that he had been sick for a long time. And then Jesus approached the man. He said, do you want to be healed from what's hurting you, what's ailing you? And the man said, well, when I try... The, the angel troubles the water, and by the time I get, 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 try to get closer, the water stops being trouble. Or if I try, he, all these excuses for why he couldn't be healed. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he reached out to the man, and the man took the hand of Jesus, and instantly he was healed. I don't know what, you're, what you've been through, who did what they did to you. I don't know. What the waters that are troubled in your past that are keeping you from getting off of your back, from getting out of that place of pain. But I see Jesus standing right now at the door of your heart. And he said, let me in. I will heal you. I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquities. By my stripes, you have healing. Would you turn to me? Do you want to be healed? You don't have to keep having that moment of church hurt. Look to Jesus. And when we do, well, I have Jesus. That's a, no, 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 no. To have Jesus is to have his church. You're not going to be without Jesus without having his church. Somebody say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. 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 Amen.